0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Hey, if you have a Bible, jump to Joshua chapter 3. If this is your first time with us, welcome, welcome, welcome to Grace College. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the college pastor here at our Southwood campus. And... And I will tell you what, I had a great weekend, and I had a great night last night watching the game. And I will just say this as you're flipping to your Bibles, a little little uh, football for us. Um, I'm excited about what this means for the Aggies in the future. What about y'all? Okay. Okay. All right. And Jesus is too. All right, Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 3, um, says this. Starting verse 1, says this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, you shall set out from your place to follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 200 cubits in length. That's about about 3,000 yards. Um, Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let me pray for us one more time. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, thank you so much for this moment in the the life of Israel that we can learn how you are leading our lives. And Lord, I know that for many of us, there are challenges ahead of us. There are circumstances that we are walking into that we are not certain about. Lord, I pray that as we read this story and as we see how you were faithful in the life of Israel, that we can know you will be faithful. And remember, you'll be faithful in our lives. I lift up this morning to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, every one of us comes to thresholds in life, crossings, moments in life when you, when you are leaving what you have known and walking into a new scenario. And for all of us, when we're walking into those new moments, we're crossing those new thresholds, there's ways that we approach it. And for my, many of us, we have these theories about what life will be like and what I will do when I cross that threshold. To give you an example, when I date someone, right? And so many of you guys, you have roommates that have never dated um, a girl. And, uh, and they have all these theories that they will tell you about when, when, we, when we cross that threshold from being friends and talking like only on social media, right? When I just like her pictures, we go beyond that step. to to an actual relationship. This is what I would do. And you may have a girlfriend. And so this individual gives you all sorts of advice. Hey, when you cross that threshold, uh, this is what I would do. And here's all the wisdom of the ages that you need to learn, right? You also had those theories when you came to college, right? You had all of these these ideas in your head of once I get to college, this is how I'll prioritize my studying. This is how I'll be prepared for every exam. This is how I will not pull all-nighters, right? Because Because I will be prepared in this moment. You have the theory of it, but then you get into the reality. And reality is nothing like the theory. Once you get a girlfriend, you realize, man, you had no idea what you were talking about, right? Like once you got into college, you're like, engineering is the path for me. And then you got here and you realize, engineering is not the path for me. And there's also the same moments can happen when you graduate from a and and you go off into a career. You have these theories about how you treat that job, how you will move in that environment. But then reality hits. And I'll tell you what, reality can hit like a ton of bricks. <laughs> reality can be a little bit terrifying because once you're into the moment, you realize how little you actually knew. But the truth is this, God will lead you into crossings. There will be thresholds that you cross. You're looking forward to those new moments, those new crossings, those new opportunities, those new relationships, those new jobs, those new careers. You'll look forward to those. But I'll tell you what, the crossing can be terrifying, especially if you don't remember God's faithfulness in the past. You see, what God does all throughout the Bible is this. He he has moments, he has stories all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, and they're there for a purpose. They're there to show you that God's faithfulness in the past will actually fuel your faith in the present. God's faithfulness in the past is supposed to fuel your faith in the present. And the reason we have these stories is not merely so we look at God's faithfulness in the past and say, wasn't it great back then? But that we would have faith that's fueled in the present. And there's three pieces that, that from this section of Joshua that we've got to learn. The first thing is this, is that, that we are learning how to follow. God is teaching us how to follow him. Secondly, God is teaching us how to trust him. And thirdly, God is teaching us to inspire us for the future. And see, the nation of Israel at this moment, they are crossing the Jordan River. If you've been with us, you've, you've seen God bring this nation of Israel from Egypt. He uh, moved them in freedom. But for the next 40 years, he, he killed off the previous generation. He let them die out so the next generation would go into the promised land because the people did not believe God. And so he went with their kids and said, okay, your kids are going to enter into this promised land. And your kids are going to lead this nation and start a new place in enemy-occupied territory. They're going to go into a war zone. Last week, we looked at some spies that went in and saw Rahab, and she said, God is leading you here. This pagan woman said, God is leading you to this place. Those spies came back to Joshua, reported, hey, God's leading us here. God's in this. And so over the next period of time, Joshua rallies up the people, brings them to the edge of the Jordan River, and says, okay, God is going to lead us into this next place. And this is a crucial crossing for them. This is a threshold for the nation of Israel. They're going to walk into battles, and they have to learn to trust God in this next place where they've never been before, with battles they've never fought before. And if you're Israel in this moment, you're going, do I trust God to lead me into this new place? And the same is true for every Christian. You're going to have moments in life, and you're in it right now, Where you're saying, God, will I trust you with my future? Do I trust you with these decisions? Will I actually be one that follows the Lord with my life? Or will I be one that runs in fear when the going gets tough? And this section of scripture, I hope, is so encouraging to you. And there's one thing I want you to get from this section. this, remember. Remember. Remember God's faithfulness. G.K. Chesterton says this. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and therefore left untried. See, the Christian life is going to be difficult. The Christian life is going to be challenging. But I'll tell you what, in order to encounter those difficulties well, we need to prepare ourselves by remembering God's faithfulness in the past. So the first thing we've got to remember is this. God is leading. God is leading this story. And what that means is this, and you've got to grab this, that God is actually on the move. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says that Joshua rose up early in the morning and he set them to Shittim. That's right across um, from the Jordan River as they're going to pass over into Jericho. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and prepared the people. They said, get ready. And once you see the ark moving, you look to the ark, and we're going to follow the ark across this water. Now, what was the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the ark was, if you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Indiana Jones movie, like forever ago, okay. You get a picture of what it's like. Uh, there's demons in it. No, just kidding. There's, there's not. So what the Ark of the Covenant was, was, was a box. It was about four and a half feet by two feet that held the law of God. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai and he literally got the law of God, the Ten Commandments, written by the finger of God on these stone tablets. He broke them Bad move, uh, Moses. And then he had to make new ones, and he put those new ones inside the Ark of the Covenant. But not only did the Ten Commandments go there, some of the bread that they had eaten as they wandered through the wilderness and God provided them day after night, some of the bread went into the Ark of the Covenant. As well as um, Aaron's rod. Aaron was Moses' brother, and, and he had a rod that budded, showing the faithfulness of God, and that is in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark to the people represented the presence of God. On the top of the ark were two cherubim. And it was that the God, God would meet them in the, by being in the ark of the covenant. Not in the ark, but, but leading through the ark of the covenant. It was actually also the place when the, the priests would make petition for the people before God. They would go and sprinkle blood on the, on the top of the ark of the covenant. Showing that blood sacrifices what's required to give forgiveness to the people. They have broken the law of God. And so now there's a shedding of blood so that they might give forgiveness of sins. The ark to the nation of Israel represented the presence of God going before them. And so the ark would be lifted up and be leading the people forward. And the people saw God is leading this mission. God is on the move. God is carrying us forward as he is leading us. The ark was a physical representation of God's leading. Here's the key. God is moving. God is not stagnant. God is not static. God is constantly on the move. Henry Blackaby writes it this way. He says, you cannot stay the way you are and go with God. You can't simply stay who you are, where you are, and go with God. But you know why? Because God is constantly on the move. God is constantly doing a new thing. And he's telling this nation, I want you to look at the ark, the receptacle of God, And watch him lead you. Now, is God actually in the ark? No. It's a picture. It's a picture of the holiness of God going before these people. See, the truth is this. God is leading. The question is, are you following? If God is actually leading in this world, how are we doing on following? And I'll tell you what, there's so many barriers to following God. See, I think for many of us, we think that if God is leading us, It means that he's removing all obstacles. Like if God is really leading us, then life should be easy. I mean, if God is really in charge, then I shouldn't have all of the struggles that I'm facing. And so for many of us, once we hit barriers, we feel like, well, maybe God isn't really in this. But what we see in this section is actually the opposite. God is moving. God is leading. But he's leading you into torrents. Keep reading with us in verse 7. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I led with Moses, so I will be with you. As, and as you command, command the priest to bear the ark of the covenant. And when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of your God. And Joshua said... Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he, is, and he, will, uh, with, that he without fail will drive out before, before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Mosquito Bites, all of them, right? <laughs> he says, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you. Verse 13, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. What he says to the people is this. The priests are going to lead this out. They're going to be carrying the ark and we're going to lead you all the way to the brink. We're not going to stop the flow before you step into the flow. We're going to lead you all the way to the brink of this. The brink is the edge it's the edge of the moment when it's, when it's terrifying. And you may not realize this, but the Jordan River in springtime, which is when this is happening, isn't a cool little, you know, little stream. It's a raging torrent. have got a video to show you. to Show the video on this. This is an actual video of the Jordan River in springtime. So imagine you're walking and you see this river, this raging torrent in front of you. And God says, yeah, I want you to go. And well, are you going to split it? Negative. Like, we're going to let you go to it, and I want you to walk all the way to the edge of it. I want you to go literally to the brink, and I want you to step a foot into this raging torrent. And I won't do anything until you cross the brink. Is that not terrifying? See, God leads us to the brink. God leads us to the brink in every one of our lives when we feel like, man, I may break if I step forward. Henry Blackaby has another great quote. He says, This will God ever ask you to do something you're not able to do? Will He? Oh, the answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way. For God's glory and God's kingdom, if we function according to our own ability alone, we get the glory. But if we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. And because of that, he'll literally lead you to the brink. He'll lead you to the point where you don't feel like there's any way God can come through. He'll lead you without a job for a season. He'll lead you without knowing who your friends are because you feel so alone here. He will lead you so that your bank account gets lower and lower and lower, and you don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. God will literally lead you to the edge. And here's what's interesting. He puts them in the torrent. He leads them to the edge of disaster, and he says, and I want you to take a step into the raging torrent ahead of you. Why? It seems weird, right? If I'm believing in a faithful God, I would believe that He would not lead me into the brink of disaster. But that's exactly what God does all the time. And here's why. If you never experience the struggle, you never grow in trust. If you never experience the struggle, you never grow in trust. Jesus did this with His disciples. There's a moment he's on the edge of the sea, and he tells his disciples, hey, go ahead and row across the Sea of Galilee. And I think, honestly, at this moment in in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is just, because the waves start getting huge, and and they start freaking out. They're like, we're not even going to make it across. We're not going to survive this moment. This this raging water is too big. And then it says Jesus came walking on the water. And it says that Jesus thought he was just going to pass them by. right? I mean, can you imagine this? The guy's like struggling, freaking out, and Jesus is like... Sub dudes, uh, and keeps on walking, and and they're terrified in that moment. They're going, "Is he a ghost? What's going on?" And then Peter looks out at Jesus, and Jesus goes, "What? What's going on?" And he goes, "Is that you, Lord?" And he's like, "Peter, yeah." And Peter goes, "If it's you, command me to come onto the water." And Jesus is like, "Man, you're going to give this a go. This is great. Come on, let's do it." He steps out and he begins walking, and then it says, "Peter saw the wind and the waves." And it began to sink. And then he cried like a little baby, right? He's like, no, Jesus, what what are what are you doing? Help me out. And then Jesus pulls him out. And you know what Jesus says to him? Good job walking. That was great. He doesn't. That's what I would have said. Like, you took three steps out there, Peter. Well done, right? He doesn't. He says, why did you doubt? And I can think of lots of reasons why he would doubt, right? Like, I don't know, humans aren't supposed to walk on water. Like, there's a couple things. There's a couple reasons for doubt. And and Jesus is showing him, hey, 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 listen, listen. I control the wind and the waves. I control what you can. I'm in charge of these forces that seem way too big for you. And I'm going to lead you all the way to the edge of the brink. Because once you experience the struggle and you watch me come through, you'll grow in trust. Elizabeth Elliot, who lost her husband um, to the Aachen Indians, writes this. She says, Our vision is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God did not protect His own Son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like His Son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying a fire will have to go into the process. You see, God wants you to look like his son. And in order for you to look like his son, that means there's a lot of chiseling and hammering and a lot of faith that gets built. And the way that faith gets built is when you're in the midst of the struggle. For me, I remember once I graduated college, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And so I was moving to College Station because my fiance at the time, Hillary, was um, in veterinary school here. And so I needed to get a job in College Station, but I didn't know anyone in College Station. And I I ended up getting connected with the Grace Bible Church. And I I interviewed, it went well, and they were going to hire me. And then they showed me what they were going to pay me. And I was like, peanuts and hope? Like, I'm not sure that that's going to work when I'm trying to like, establish a family. We're going to get married in December. I was moving here in August. And I'm like, I just don't know how I can survive on that, right? And I looked at some other job opportunities, some other things. And I just came convinced. Okay, Lord, I really feel like you want me here. You really are opening up this path. But, oh, my gosh, this feels absolutely terrifying. But then I remember the year before. I had raised support to do outreach ministry to a, to a track team. and And it was... Uh, a tough year of just raising support to do this. And I remember there some, some weeks I would come to the end of the month and I, I did not have enough money to pay rent. And I remember going to talk to different people around town and just like, as I was just telling them what I was doing. And I remember sitting down with one family, uh, Greg Grooms and his wife. And, and I'm sitting down there and they're just like, well, where are you at financially? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I was like, I have no idea. And I didn't, but I knew I was low. And they said, okay. And they wrote me a check. They got me through the rest of the year. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. You led me all the way to the crisis just to show at the last minute you're going to provide for me. I got the job here. I started working here. And, and I didn't have enough money to pay for bills. And, and, and I always grew up with bad cars, right? Cars that would break down everywhere. Like everywhere. Parking lots, highways, everywhere. And we didn't have enough money to buy a new car, and so we would fix the parts of the car on credit because that's what we had. And so my credit card bill was getting higher and higher as I'm fixing this car and 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 I remember when I moved here and I looked at the paycheck that I'd be getting, I was like there's no way that I can pay for my student loans and this car, you know, these car bills that I have, there's just no way. And when I got here about a month into it, uh, I got a call from a woman and she said, hey, I, I heard you used to run track. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, hey, would you be willing to coach me, and I will pay you. And she didn't say this, but this is what it was, a ridiculous sum of money to coach me. And I said, all right. And so for the next year, I coached this woman and paid off all of my bills, had more than enough money to, to care for my wife and family in this new place when I had no reason to believe in the faithfulness of God except for the fact that God always leads you to the brink. And in that brink, in that torrent, God says, will you trust me and step out in faith and watch me provide on the tail end? Will you trust me all the way to the edge and watch me provide for you in the end? And God does that all the time. God leads you right to the edge. And when they get to the edge, the water parts. And everyone walks through literally on dry land. Verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark, came as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all of its banks because it's the time of harvest. It was a crazy overflow. The water coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam in the city beside Zarethan. God says, I knew exactly the moment when I was going to part this sea, and it was right when you took a step in. I don't know where God is leading you this semester. But for many of you, it's to the brink. For some of you, it's this brink, when you are actually going to come to faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You've been trying out the church thing, you've been dating every church in town, and and you're looking for some connection, like some place that actually believes in Jesus, a place where you can grow. And and for some of you, you've been hearing a lot of messages, but, but you've never put the faith your faith alone in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and that's your brink, that's your step. For others of you, it's going to be your future. When you have all of these plans in life, this is where I think God's leading me, this is what I want to do with my life, and and you have very clear boxes for what you're going to walk into, and God's been knocking on your door, dropping hints in your mind, saying, okay, you think that you're going to go on this path, but I actually have this other path for you and you're on the brink of that decision I don't know where you are but I know God is leading you to the brink for a step of faith and the reality is God will come through God loves you He is with you in the struggle He is leading you and there's a reason for it there's a reason He's preparing that challenging path because as you walk in faith you will inspire another generation See, you're going to walk in faith, and that walking in faith is never meant for you, alone. It's meant for you to inspire others by your simple acts of faith. You see, we walk, the Christian life can often feel lonely, can feel like our decisions, but, but it's never meant to be alone. It's meant to inspire the community. And so for two chapters, God spends this moment for these people crossing a river. And you can kind of wonder, like, why is God spending so much real estate in the Bible about water crossing? There's lots of other questions I have. You know, like, what about the dinosaurs, God, right? Like, why do we got two chapters on a river and not, like, these other issues? Like, what job do I need tomorrow? Like, why isn't that, like, in Revelation? Like, you could have given... Ammo, other places. Why spend two chapters on a water crossing? Because there's a reason for it. Joshua said to the people, hey, as God parts these seas, he's going to lead you into this new land. He's got your back. If he can control the water, he can control this circumstance up there. And he tells the people, I want you to take 12 men. And I want you to go back into the water. And I want you, or the dry land at this point, and I want you to take 12 stones. And I want you to build a monument to remember this moment. I want you to go back into the sea. I want you to pick up 12 stones. And I want you to come out here so you remember this moment. Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had passed over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from that place, and have them bring it across. Verse 7. Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Right, verse 6, this may be a sign among you. When your children ask at the time, when did the, what did these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. He says, Joshua, I want you to remember this moment. I want this past faithfulness to inspire your future. I want the past faithfulness of God to inspire your next steps. He says, I want you to take stones and I want you to stack them up and I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. We got stones for you. At every table when you walk out of these doors, um, there are stones on the table and markers, and what we want you to do, we're giving you an opportunity to do, is to remember the faithfulness of God in your life. I don't know about you, but I remember dumb things all the time. I remember in seventh grade my voice cracking when I started reading in class, right? Like, you know, like I remember that, right? I, I remember uh, getting a concussion, like playing soccer when I was a kid. I remember so many unimportant facts in my life. And I remember what I should forget, and I often forget what I need to remember. And so what God does in this moment is saying, I don't want you to miss the significance of this crossing. And you know what? I don't want you to miss the significance of God's faithfulness in your life. So what I'm giving you an opportunity to do is to take one of these stones and simply write a memory of God's faithfulness. Right? One of those moments that God actually led you. Maybe it was getting into A&M. And so you're like, I never thought I would get in here. And all of a sudden I'm in here. And that act of faithfulness will inspire you for the future. Maybe it's the time you came to faith. Maybe it's a time that, that God actually removed some barriers in your life. Maybe it's something so very, very small when someone just gave you a book or an encouraging word. I don't know what it is. But there are acts of faithfulness that God has had in your life that we need to remember, because we remember so many dumb things, so many YouTube clips, so many, so many just dumb. But often we forget the things that are most important to us and God. And so here's my challenge to you: if you get that stone, you write um, a moment of God's faithfulness. My challenge to you is to go put it somewhere in your apartment, in your dorm, and maybe with some roommates. Maybe you've got some roommates here and you want to write God's faithfulness and maybe you stack them together and make your own little memorial. And then if you take that and put it on your Instagram and you um, hashtag us and, and connect with us, you do it at Grace Bible Church and you hashtag at Joshua 4, then we can actually follow those and see where you are putting your stones so that we can all celebrate the, God's faithfulness together. And my challenge to you is to say, okay, I'm gonna, I want to remember this. And I'm actually going to commit to this. I'm going to take this rock. I'm going to put it in this place. Let me tell you about these rocks. They're rocks, right? Like, they're, they're rocks. You know, they're, they're not from the Jordan. They're just rocks. And so, um, several months ago, I, I asked uh, one of my fellows, about a month and a half ago, I asked one of my fellows, hey, I'll go find me a bunch of rocks. And it's for a sermon. Like, it'll make sense, you know, six months from now, right? Or six weeks from now. And and he said okay, and he remembered a, um, a family that we had helped as part of our missions projects, so raising money. And so he, he said maybe I'll call them and see if uh, they'll donate some of those rocks, give them to us. And so he got, calls them, and they say yeah, well you can take our rocks. And so he go he says, oh, how am I going to get these? I asked him to get 400 rocks. How am I going to get these 400 rocks back here? And so he calls up another fellow who's leading in our youth ministry. And said, hey, Zach Smith, would you help me get these rocks? And he says, sure. And he goes and gets a couple youth kids to help him get 400 rocks for people that they would never meet to serve you in this moment. And I was like, who knew cold rocks could make warm hearts, right? Like I I, I saw this, I'm like, and I went over to Zach and I'm like, Zach, oh my gosh, thank you for serving us in this way. And so I took one of those rocks and I literally wrote um, Zach Smith, Matt, the youth guys' names and I said, thank you for that simple act of faithfulness. See, God is doing all sorts of little things in your life to remember God's in this. God's leading you. He's leading you into challenges. But those challenges are going to inspire a future generation if you take your step of faithfulness. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you that you have have so many acts of faithfulness that you lead us, that you guide us, that you inspire us by your presence. And Lord, we can trust you in the torrents of life that we walk into because you have been faithful in the past. You will be faithful in the future. And Lord, as we think about the moments of faithfulness in in our life, I pray that you would um, bring them to remembrance. And as we write our little moments on these stones that you would solidify your heart for us. I thank you so much for these students. Thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the memory of your faithfulness in our lives. Amen.